Those who cannot learn from history are doomed to repeat it. But before you can truly learn from the tales of our past, you must first understand them. And you're in luck because you found the one and only show that dives deep into the historical figures of our past and how key events have shaped the world that we live in today. You're tuned to History Shouldn't Be a Mystery. Right here on WRFH, Radio Free Hillsdale, 101.7 FM. With your host of today's show, Connor Bolanos. Welcome back, everyone. The history shouldn't be a mystery. Last week, we were talking about Philip III, the king of Spain. But now we're going to be talking about Charles III, the king of Spain. We're going to be jumping ahead about a century or so, while at the same time also jumping ahead an entire dynasty. Since between the time period of Charles III and Philip III, you have a change from the Habsburg dynasty over to the Bourbon dynasty, who would take over Spain following the War of Spanish Succession, which would end in favor of the Bourbon dynasty, who would take over control of Spain and would really guide it for the rest of Spanish history. So let's get right into it. I'm talking about Charles III. Charles III was born on the 20th of January, 1716, being, as it seems like we have done for most people on the show so far, we're not actually destined to become king of whatever country it is that they were born in, but usually end up doing so anyway. So Charles III, born fourth in line to the Spanish throne to then fill up the fifth. And it was because of his position as the fourth trial, but it would be the third in line to the succession eventually as his one of his older brothers would die at a younger age. His mother sought for him the thrones of Parma, Piacenza, and Tuscany, all who had heirs for, which were at the time childless, since Charles was in no line to inherit any actual valuable titles considering his line within the succession. Eventually, though, his mother was indeed successful in acquiring the thrones of these territories. And so, after a solemn ceremony in Seville, upon which Charles was given the sword of gold by his father, a sword which had been given to Philip, to Philip V by his grandfather, Louis XIV of France, before his departure to Spain in 1700, Charles would leave on the 20th of October, 1731, where he would then travel over land to Antipes, Murray would then sail to Tuscany, arriving on the 27th of December, 1731. His cousin and then Grand Duke of Tuscany, Gian Gaston de Medici, was named his co-tutor, and despite Charles being the second in line to inherited Tuscany, the Grand Duke still gave him a warm welcome, which was a bit unexpected, seeing that this would have been a really big dynastic change from the Medici family over to the Bourbon dynasty. But Charles' regard was made a grand entrance to the Medici capital of Florence on the 9th of March, 1732. Gian Gaston staged a fete in honor of the patron saint of Florence, St. John the Baptist, on the 24th of June, at which he named Charles his heir, giving him the title of hereditary prince of Tuscany, and where Charles then paid homage to the Florentine Senate, as was the tradition for heirs to the Tuscan throne. When the emperor, however, Charles VI, the emperor of the Holy Roman Empire to be specific, heard about the ceremony, he was greatly enraged due to Gaston not informing him, as he was technical overlord of Tuscany, and nomination thus should have been his. Despite the celebrations, Elizabeth Farnese urged her son to go on to Parma from Tuscany so he could claim the next throne, and he did this on, the Octo- on October of th- 1732. In 1733, Charles would see the first military conflict that he would really lead and be involved in. In 1733, the death of August II, the King of Poland, sparked a succession crisis within the country. France supported one pretender, while Austria and Russia another. France's Savoy at the time had formed an alliance to acquire more territory from Austria, and Spain, which had allied France in 1733 with the Bourbon Compact, 
also entered the conflict. Charles's mother, his regent, saw this as the opportunity to regain the Kingdom of Naples and Sicily, which Spain had lost in the Treaty of Utrecht. On the 20th of January, 1734, Charles, now at the age of 18, reached his majority and was free to govern and to manage in a manner independent its states. He was also named commander of all Spanish troops in Italy, a position he shared with the Duke of Montemar. On the 27th of February, King Philip of Spain declared his intention to capture the Kingdom of Naples, claiming he would free it of excessive violence by the Austrian Viceroy of Naples, oppression, and tyranny. Charles, now Charles I of Parma, was to be in charge of these Italian forces and to liberate the Kingdom of Sicily. Charles inspected the Spanish troops of Perugia and marched towards Naples on the 5th of March. His army passed through the Papal States, which were then ruled by Clement XII. The Austrians, however, were already fighting the French and Savoy armies to maintain Lombardy, and they only had limited resources for the defense of Naples, and were divided on how best to oppose the Spanish in the region. The Emperor wanted to keep Naples, but most of the Neapolitan nobility were actually against him, while others actively conspired against his viceroy. They hoped that Philip would give the kingdom to Charles, who would be more likely to live and rule there rather than having a viceroy and serve as a foreign that would serve as a foreign power, which was a return to what the kingdom was under Spain before it lost it at the Treaty of Utrecht. A week, on March 9th, the Spaniards took Procida and Ischina, two islands in the Bay of Naples, and a week later they defeated the Austrians in a naval engagement. On the 31st of March, the army of Charles closed in on the Austrians at, in Naples, and the Spanish flanked defensive positions of, of the Austrians under de General Traun and forced them to retreat to Capua. This later allowed Charles and his troops to advance into the city of Naples itself. The Austrian viceroy at the time, Giolo Borremo Visconti, and the commander of his army, Giovanni Carafa, left some garrisons holding the city's fortresses and withdrew to Apulia, where they awaited reinforcements sufficient enough to defeat the Spanish. The Spanish entered Naples and laid siege to the Austrian-held fortresses. During that interval, Charles received the compliments of the local nobility and the city's keys and the privilege book from a delegation of the city's elected officials. Chronicles of the time report that Naples was captured with humanity and that the combat was only due to a general climate of courtesy between the two armies, often under the eyes of the Neapolitans that approached with curiosity. The Spanish would, took Carmine, would take Carmine Castle on the 10th of April. Castle Santa Elmo fell on the 27th of April. Castle de Ovo on the 4th of May. And finally, Newcastle on the 6th of May. This all occurred even though Charles had no military experience, seldom wore uniforms, and could only with difficulty be persuaded to actually witness a review. For anyone just tuning in, you're listening to History Shouldn't Be a Mystery with your host, Connor Bolanos, the show where we dive deep into the historical figures of our past to better understand our present. For all of you just joining us, welcome back to History Shouldn't Be a Mystery. We just got done talking about the birth and the early life of Charles III of Spain and his first moves in conquering the Kingdom of Naples, which he would rule first as the Duke of Parma and the Duke of Tuscany. So now getting into the rule of Naples and Sicily. So Charles was successful in securing the Kingdom of Naples and Sicily for himself following the war with the Austrians. Charles had his triumphant entrance to the city on the 10th of May, 1734. And though the old city gate at Capuana surrounded by the councillors of the city, along with a group of people who threw money to the locals. The procession went on through the streets and ended at the Cathedral of Naples, where Charles received a blessing from the local archbishop, Colonel Pignatelli. Charles took up residence at the Royal Palace, which had been built by his ancestor, Philip III of Spain. Charles was unique in the fact that he was actually the first ruler of Naples to actually live there, after two centuries of various nations stationing viceroys within the kingdom. However, Austrian resistance had not yet been completely eliminated within the kingdom, and the emperor, the Holy Roman Emperor that is, had sent reinforcements to Naples directed by the Prince of Belmonte, which arrived at Bet Betanto. 
But the Spanish moved the countess, counter this, with troops led by the Counts of Montemar attacking the Austrian forces on the 25th of May, 1734 at Betonto, where he achieved a decisive victory. Belmonte was captured and after he fled to Bari, where other Austrian troops were able to escape by sea. To celebrate the victory, Naples was illuminated for three whole nights. On the 30th of May, the Duke of Montemar, Charles's army commander, was named the Duke of Betonto. Today, there is an obelisk actually in the city of Betonto, which commemorates this battle. After the fall of the Reggio Calabria on the 20th of June, Charles was also conquered the towns of Le Aquila on the 27th of June, Pescara on the 20th of July, and the last two Austrian fortresses were captured, Gaeta and Capua. The siege of Gaeta, which Charles observed personally, ended on the 6th of August, and three weeks later, the Duke of Montemar left the mainland for Sicily, where they arrived in Palermo on the 2nd of September 1734, beginning the conquest of the island's Austrian-held fortresses that ended in early 1735. Capua, the only remaining Austrian stronghold in Naples, was held by von Tron until the 24th of November 1734. In 1735, pursuant to the treaty ending the war, Charles actually formally ceded Parma and his other dukedoms at the time to Emperor Charles VI in exchange for recognition as the King of Naples in Sicily. As preliminary peace was concluded on the 30th, on the 3rd of October, 1735, with Austria. But the peace was not finalized itself until three years later with the Treaty of Vienna in 1738, which ended the War of Polish Succession and the whole conflict on the broader scale. Naples and Sicily were ceded in this treaty to, by Austria to Charles, who in return gave up Parma and Tuscany. Tuscany went to Emperor Charles VI's son-in-law, Francis Stephen, as compensation for ceding the Duchy of Lorraine to the deposed Polish king Stanislaus I. The treaty included the transfer of Naples of all inherited goods of the House of Fairness. He took with him the collection of artwork, the archives, the Ducal Library, the canons of the fort, and even the marble stairway of the Ducal Palace. Charles's mother Elizabeth, with this, began looking for potential brides for her son, who was now formally recognized by the nations of Europe as the King of Naples and Sicily. It was impossible to get an Archduchess of Austria as a bride, so she looked to Poland, choosing Princess Maria Amalia of Saxony, a daughter of the newly elected Polish king, Augustus III, and his ironically Austrian wife, Maria Josepha of Austria. Maria Josepha was a niece of Emperor Charles, the marriage, the marriage of which was seen as the only alternative to an Austrian marriage. Maria Amalia was only 13 when she was informed of her proposed marriage, and the marriage date was confirmed for the 31st of October, 1733, where she was married by proxy at Dresden in May of 1738 with her brother, Frederick Christian of Saxony, representing Charles. The marriage was looked upon favorably as well at the time by the Holy See, who had been in conflict with Charles because of, some of, the, because of a conflict in regards to fealty and Charles not exactly paying it to the Papal States at the time, who also saw Naples as part of their own domain. The couple met for the first time in the 19th of June, 1738 at Portella, a village on the frontier of the kingdom near Fondi. Charles III would see the next major military conflict occur in 1740, not too long after his previous war with the Austrians. In 1740, Emperor Charles of the Holy Roman Empire died, leaving his, the kingdoms of Bohemia and Hungary, along with many other lands, to his daughter Maria Theresa, who he had hoped that many signatories to the Pragmatic Sanction would not interfere with his succession. The Pragmatic Sanction was what allowed Maria Theresa, who was a female, to bypass the old Austrian succession laws at the time to become the Empress of the Holy Roman Empire and the inheritor of his vast territories. However, th this was not respected, and the War of Austrian Succession broke out, where France was allied with Spain and Prussia, all of whom were against Maria Theresa, while Maria Theresa was supported by Great Britain, who was then ruled by George II and the Kingdom of Sardinia, then ruled by Charles Emmanuel III. 
Charles had wanted to originally stay neutral during the conflict, but his father wanted him to join in and gather troops to aid the French. Charles arranged for 10,000 Spanish soldiers to go to Italy under the control of the Duke of Castro Piagno, but they were obliged to retreat when British forces under Commodore William Martin threatened to bombard the port of Naples if they did not stay out of the conflict. The decision to remain neutral was again revived, but poorly received by the French and his father in Spain. Charles's parents encouraged him to take arms, as his brother, the Infante Felipe, had done. After publishing a proclamation on the 25th of March, 1744, reassuring its subjects, Charles took the command of an army against the Austrian armies of the Prince of Lobkowitz, who were then at the point marching for the Neapolitan border. In order to oppose a small but powerful pro-Austrian party in Naples, a new council was formed under the direction of, Tan of the minister Tanusi that resulted in the arrest of more than 800 people. In April, Maria Teresa addressed the Neapolitans with a proclamation in which she promised pardons and other benefits for those who rose against the usurpers of the country, that those being the Bourbons. The participation of Naples and Sicily in the conflict resulted on the 11th of August in the decisive Battle of Velletri, where Neapolitan, tr Neapolitan troops directed by Charles and the Duke of Castropigano and the Spanish troops under the Count of Pledges defeated the Austrians of Lobkowitz, who retreated the Austrians of Lobkowitz, who were treated with heavy losses. The courage shown by Charles during this battle caused the King of Sardinia, his enemy, to then write, he revealed a worthy consistency of his blood and that he behaved gloriously. The victory of Elytria assured Charles the right to give the title of the Duke of Parma to his younger brother, Infante Philippe, who had no title at the time. But this was not recognized until the Treaty of Aix-la-Chapelle signed in 1748, and it was not until the next year that the Infante Philippe would officially be the Duke of Parma. If you're not reading and learning history, then you're doomed to repeat it. For all of you just tuning in, you're listening to History Shouldn't Be a Mystery with your host, Connor Bolanos. If anyone's just tuning in, welcome back to the show. We just got done talking about the various wars that Charles III fought against Austria while king of Naples and Sicily. And now we're going to get into his impact on Sicily and Naples during his reign, which was quite prominent and would really play a large role in how he went about reforming Spain. So in 1746, Philip V of Spain died in Madrid at the age of 62, leaving the throne vacant to be inherited by the Infante Ferdinand, who reigned as Ferdinand VI of Spain. Ferdinand, who hated the stepmother, made her leave the Spanish court, which also meant that Elizabeth Farnese would not have as much influence over her son on the pretext that she was Queen of the Realm. But Charles would leave a lasting legacy on his kingdom, building widely and introducing reforms during his reign. He constructed a collection of palaces in and around Naples. Charles was awed by the Palace of Versailles and the Royal Palace of Madrid in Spain, and he undertook and oversaw the construction of Europe's most la one of Europe's most lavish, lavish palaces, the Palace of Caserta. Construction ideas for this stunning palace started in 1751 when he was 35. The site had been previously home to a small hunting lodge, as Versailles had, which he was fond of because it reminded him of San Ildefonso, where the royal palace of La Granja de, de San Ildefonso was located in Spain. Caserta was much influenced by his wife, the very cultured Maria Amalia of Saxony, and the site of the palace was also far away from the large volcano of Mount Vesuvius, which was a constant threat to the capital, as was the sea. Charles himself laid the foundations to the palace amid much festivity on his 36th birthday on the 20th of January, 1752. He, in Naples, Charles began internal reforms that he continued later in Spain. The chief minister in Naples, Bernardo Tanusi, had a considerable influence over him during this time. And during Charles's rule, the Roman cities of Herculaneum, Stabe, and Pompeii were rediscovered. 
The king encouraged their excavation and continued to be informed about findings, even after he ended up moving to Spain. Camilio Paderni, who was in charge of excavated items at the king's palace in Portici, was also the first to attempt in reading obtained scrolls from the Villa Apopri in Herculeum. Charles also encouraged the development of skilled craftsmen in Naples and Sicily, after centuries of foreign domination. Charles is recognized for having recreated the Neapolitan nation, building an independent and sovereign kingdom. He also instituted reforms that were more administrative, more social, and more religious than the kingdom had seen for a very long time. In 1746, the Inquisition was introduced in domains bought by the by the Cardinal Spinelli, though this was not popular and required intervention by Charles. Charles was the most popular king the Neapolitans had for many years. He was very supportive of the people's needs, regardless of their class, and was hailed by them as an enlightened king. Among the initiatives aimed at bringing the kingdom out of difficult economic conditions, Charles created the Commerce Council that negotiated treaties with the Ottomans, Swedes, French, and the Dutch. He also founded an insurance company and took measures to protect the forest while also trying to start the stop the extraction and exploitation of natural resources. But Charles III would not remain king of Sicily and Naples forever. At the end of 1758, Charles's half-brother, then King Ferdinand VI of Spain, was displaying the same symptoms of depression that their father used to suffer from. Ferdinand lost his devoted wife, Barbara of Portugal, in August of 1758, and fell into deep mourning for her. He named Charles his heir presumptive on the 10th of December 1758 before leaving Madrid to stay at Villa Vicosia de Odon, where he died on the 10th of August 1759. At that point, Charles was proclaimed King of Spain under the name Charles III of Spain, and respecting the Third Treaty of Vienna, which stated he would not be able to rejoin the Neapolitan Sicilian territories of the Spanish throne, he would then abdicate it. He was later given the title Lord of Two Sicilies, though, in order to retain some sense of his rule over the territory. The Treaty, the treaty of Aix-la-Chapelle that, that Charles had not ratified at the time foresaw the eventuality of his ascension to the Spanish throne. Thus, Naples and Sicily went to his brother, Philip the Duke of Parma, while the possessions of the latter were divided between Maria Teresa and the King of Sardinia. Determined to maintain the, the hold of his descendants on the court of Naples, Charles undertook lengthy diplomatic missions with Maria Teresa, and in 1758, the two signed the Fourth Treaty of Versailles, by which Austria formally renounced the Italian duchies. Charles III of Sardinia, however, continued the pressure on the possible gain of Plaisance, and even threatened to occupy it. Unlike his 20 years in the Italian peninsula, which had been very fruitful, the era on the mainland Spain is often regarded with less joy. Internal politics, as well as diplomatic relationships with other countries, underwent complete reform under Charles. Charles represented a new type of ruler who followed enlightened absolutism, a form of absolute monarchy in which rulers embraced the principles of the Enlightenment, especially its emphasis on rationality, and applied them to their territory. They tended to allow more religious toleration, freedom of speech and press, the right to hold private property, and most fostered the arts, sciences, and education, something which we saw Charles doing while he was the king of Naples and Sicily. Charles shared these ideas with many monarchs at the time, including Maria Theresa of Austria and Catherine the Great of Russia. The principles of the Enlightenment were applied to his rules of Spain, and Charles went about his reforms with the help of the Marquis de Escalacha, the Count of Aranda, the Count of Campomanes, the Count of Florida Blanca, Ricardo Wall, and the Genoan aristocrat Geronimo Grimaldi. The first crisis that Charles would have to deal with, was, however, was not one of the kingdom, but a more personal one, as his wife would die unexpectedly at the age of 35 on the 27th of September, 1760. Now, the traditional friendships 
uh, with France that Spain had at the time brought about the idea that the power of Great Britain would decrease and that of Spain and France would do the opposite. This alliance was marked by a family compact signed in 1761. And Charles had, had been deeply concerned that the British success in the Seven Years, however, would destroy the balance of power. And they would soon seek to conquer the Spanish Empire as they had done the French. In early 1762, Spain entered the war. The major Spanish objectives to invade Portugal and capture Jamaica were both failures, however. Britain and Portugal not only repulsed the Spanish attack on Portugal, but captured the cities of Havana and Manila. Charles III wanted to keep fighting the following year, but he was persuaded by the French leadership to stop, signing the Treaty of Paris in 1763, which required Spain to cede Florida to Great Britain in exchange for the return of Havana and Manila. This was partly compensated by the acquisition of a portion of Louisiana given by France's compensation for Spain's war losses. This, Br this British rivalry would also lead him to intervene in the support of the American revolutionaries in the American War of Independence. Charles III's internal government was, on the whole, beneficial to the country. It began by compelling the people of Madrid to give, to give up emptying their um, sewage into the, out of the windows, into the streets. And when they objected to this, he said they were like children who cried when their faces were washed. At the time of his ascension to the throne in Spain, Charles was named secretary to the finances and treasurer, Marquis of Escalache, and him both realized that this needed many reforms. And due to the recent defeats against the British, the Spanish army and navy were reorganized. Charles also eliminated attacks on flour and generally liberalized most commerce. Despite this action, it provoked the overlord to charge, charge higher prices because of monopolizers, speculating on bad harvests of the previous years. On the 23rd of March, 1766, his attempt to force the Madrilenos to adopt French dress for public security reasons caused a riot, during which he did not display that much personal courage in putting it down. For a long time after, he remained at Ar Aranjuez, leaving the government in the hands of his minister, the Count of Aranda. Not all of his reforms of this were of this formal kind, however, in regards to the dress. The Count of Campomanes tried to show Charles that the true leaders of the revolt against Escalache were the Jesuits. The wealth and power of the Jesuits was very large in the time, and but by royal decree on the 27th of February, 1776, the Jesuits were expelled from Spain, and all their possessions were confiscated. His quarrel with the Jesuits in memory of his with the Pope while he was king of Naples, turned him towards a general policy of restriction of the clergy. While this was all happening, much antiquated legislation which tended to restrict trade and industry was abolished. Roads, canals, and drainage works were established. He created the first ever Spanish lottery, and he made various efforts to improve the freedom of various Spanish colonies, which were quite resentful of his reign during the time. However, those would be ultimately deemed a failure, as the Spanish colonies would eventually come to revolt anyway. Under the reign of Charles, Spain began to be recognized as a nation rather than a collection of kingdoms and territories with a common sovereign. Its efforts resulted in the creation of the national flag, uh, a national anthem, and a capital city worthy of the name and the construction of a network of coherent roads, which really connected Madrid. And Charles's various reforms, collectively known as the Bourbon Reforms, really saw the revival of Spain to become more of a stable nation, both financially, politically, and culturally. However, Charles III's reign, as with any monarch, would not last forever, and he would die on the 14th of December, 1788. Thanks for joining us for this week of History Shouldn't Be a Mystery. Join us next time as we delve into another figure from our historical past. And that's all the time we have left today for you history buffs. There's many more historical figures from our past to discuss, so be sure to join us same time, same place, next week for a new edition of History Shouldn't Be a Mystery with your host, Connor Bolanos.